Yeah. It ain't no mini tapestry. No, it's not. I don't think they even have it. <laughs> I think they had like prints, like tiny prints. Oh, they well, they actually did have mini tapestries, and I got into an uh, many arguments with Jeff over the fact that you can't call it like a handkerchief a mini tapestry. Right. He's like, nah, man, mini tapestry sounds way better. I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. I mean, that sounds like a bandana as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, no, that's what I was calling it, a bandana, not a, not okay. a handkerchief. Because, like, that would have been, like, I would, that sounds cool as shit, like, a consider the source bandana, like, I, you know, yeah, like, that's, I'd, I'd snatch that up. What, what about, like, a, a consider the source uh, banana, and it'd be a bandana? I'd buy that too. I mean, there's usually a banana rolling around in the front, like uh, you know, windshield area of the van. Can't confirm so that 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 could be a thing. Banana. Banana. It's a banana pill you wear. Banana. Is it just going to be like their symbol with like a bunch of bananas on it, just like in a like a? No, it's it'll be like a like a vaguely uh, you know Mother Teresa pancake situation where like the black dots. <laughs> On the banana peel, sort of look like an ohm, but you, not really. It's really got squints. This adds up. I I am on the I'm a, I'm in the market for all of this product. Where do I sign up? Guys, we're we're marketing. Yeah. This is incredible. This is synergetic. If I, if I dare say, Jeff. Bezos, yeah, we're not. Jeff we're, we're not calls. here. To, oh, we're man, not here to talk about uh, music. We're here to really talk about how to gain capitalist capitalistic ventures or ventures in music at this point. Right. I actually have a music plea to Jeff Bezos. I was just watching the Grand Tour, and um, I was surprised that Amazon didn't hasn't made like artists who sign on to their digital digital store um, sign a similar to deal to what uh, the BBC like, does with their music. Because like when Top Gear was on BBC, they would use like eighty tracks an episode, and like with the Grand Tour. It's all like uh, you know, randomly recorded. Like, all right, I need I need you guys to like do a blues jam for like two minutes, so that like this can go in the background of something. But I don't know. It's weird because they definitely have the same like access. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe they didn't predict that they would want to you know start television or, or start a, a, a digital video service. The thing with Amazon that's always got me is that and it's going to sound maybe a little weird, but almost all of their products are terrible in that obviously, well, like every, you know, if you're buying general, what have you, Amazon's a great place to buy music, movies, stuff, paper towels, whatever. The tub mushroom that I have. Right. But like if you are buying any sort of more, slightly more niche product, it's a terrible place to shop for clothes. More or less, it's a terrible place to shop. It's video streaming service is lackluster compared to many alternatives such as Netflix and Hulu. It's, yeah, that is. It, it really, guys, do you remember the Amazon phone? That was a product. They still make them. Do they really? Well, kind of. Kind of. So what they do is they'll like they'll t- they'll pay. I assume they they pay the phone companies and um and uh, you'll get like permanent ads on your phone. So like you can get. I know they're doing it for. There's a Moto phone that they're doing it for. There may be a Samsung phone, um, but they'll they'll call it like Prime Edition, and Prime Edition basically means Advertisement Edition. Oh, that's horrible! Wow, that's that's ass. What you can get the phones for like like fifty or a hundred bucks off, I think. So I don't know. Some well, people okay, make that sounds familiar. 
But like yeah. in the more I think about it, Amazon does a lot of things pretty half ass, but they just do so many things that I think it compensates for the usual amount of like just garbage that they that they create cuz a lot of like oh, in my opinion yeah. a lot of their like their video streaming service like despite having kind of a poor selection is I always found super glitchy or laggy and like every time I watch Grand Tour it's like the audio was a second behind the video it was it just Oh really? Yeah, like I have most of the time I'm like Amazon products are not great by any means. <laughs> I, I got well, big, big note, fuck Jeff Bezos, obviously. Well, fuck Jeff Bezos in general because um, his workers make slave wages, fall asleep standing up, and and just work in generally horrible conditions, and he's flying in a gold-covered rocket plane chopper, I assume. Made by Elon Musk. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it can fit in a tiny cave and rescue a bunch of Thai soccer players. From a pedophile. <laughs> Oh, yeah, God. oh my god yeah holy shit <laughs> i would never buy an elon musk product just because he is such a a, a lunatic asshole it's oh, just i'll, I'll yeah, shit on him but i would buy a tesla i want from i want from, <laughs> I want from. Oh, man, that, that like self <laughs> sounds really cool i'm i'm very into the idea of a self-powered house uh but then again, I like solar power and stuff, so I'm excited about. That. Oh yeah, I forgot he does the battery thing too. And don't yeah, forget, yeah. but don't forget, he was the guy who also did PayPal, so he brought that oh, so into this world. I don't really. Can't, okay, so I gotta admit, I don't understand what everybody's beef with PayPal is. I don't either. I didn't know there was a beef. Wait, wait, wait! There's a beef. Hold up. There's, there's PayPal <laughs> oh, oh. beef. Oh yeah, there's there's huge PayPal beef. Apparently, it's like robbing everybody, or it's completely evil in some way. <laughs> Well, I don't know what it is. Um, I would ask you guys to explain it, but like, um, I can, I can, I can, I can like feel a sentiment against. I can feel like a like a against like a thing against that because it's like you did the uh, business option, then they tax you, and like, you know, m- most people that I send money to, it's always on the friends and family service, not oh, like that's, your that's business. Everybody knows that trick, though, right? To just do yeah. the family or gift thing. Yeah, I mean, people do that constantly. I think that's always going to be a system that's used. But I think because of like how they do that extra shit, which is why people go to things like Cash App and Venmo, because it yeah. cuts out like all the bullshit middlemen type of things. There may be additional fees, but like I don't know. I don't really use those apps, and I don't know. For the most part, I still use PayPal to give out easy transactions. It's that simple. Like. I mean, it's pretty ingrained at this point. It was first to the, uh, first to the, um, you know, market. Right. Yeah, I can see it being an archaic system, but you know, I still use it. It's, it's like people that shit on things like Bandcamp. I understand the format may be shitty, but like, I still use it for. Oh, I disagree. I think I think Bandcamp is a fantastic. The only thing that's people, not me. I like I love Bandcamp. The only, <laughs> the only fault Bandcamp has, in my eyes, is that you don't, you cannot constantly, consistently stream a song while you're remaining on the website like you do SoundCloud. Uh, beyond oh, yeah. that, I think Bandcamp is a perfect architecture, and the fact that they are allowing any bedroom musician just to upload their shit on there for free with the hopes that they will get some royalties off you selling a couple albums is pretty like insane. I have to imagine the amount of money they have to or cost it to take on for that server space because you have to upload wave files not mp3s has got to be pretty pretty uh significant yeah that's a good point i don't know how that business model works on any level aside from like 
the bigger name artists carry like the bulk of their uh, profits, and so they can just let all these amateur people ride. Like I have multiple albums out well, there, and I'm like, how how am I getting away with this? Don't they uh, at least when you get when people want to give money to you, they do get that little a service fee. Oh yeah, but the service oh, fee yeah. is pretty shitty. If it's like somebody just gives you a dollar, even if you give it the music for free, it's like hey, twenty five cents taken away from my hard earned dollar. Well, but that's 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 the uh, that's the trade off is that you you put all your stuff on there for free, but then yeah, if someone buys it, they get a cut of it. So and, oh, in, yeah. my, and in my I'm- mind, that makes sense because. Like if you use SoundCloud to have anything beyond I think four hours of the content on there, you have to then pay for you have to pay for them monthly. Bandcamp is yeah. as far as I know always free. It's just then if you sell something, they take that cut. And I'm like that feels like basically you're getting free web hosting. And there are bands now that almost run their entire website on Bandcamp because you can sell your merch on there, you can do all your tour shows. So it really is its own little ecosystem for a band where then you can cut out having to learn wordpress like me and scream at uh, a wordpress dashboard like an asshole for hours on end yeah i definitely uh i mean like i can respect it because it's like it's not like it's the worst but it's like people they always do uh up the uh the rate i guess is what it is that's the only thing that kind of gets to me where it's like oh it used to be 25 percent now it's 35 then they include extra things that some people i know that even if they do make good sales, then it's like, ooh, that does take a good chunk if you see a good number, and then it's like, let's diminish that. But that's right. a business for you, but I can't get too mad about that, but it's still just like, I can understand how stifling that is. But if you're some, if you're someone like Sufjan Stevens, then you're probably not too worried about that, that fee. Right. Does he have a band camp? Dude, he has. Doesn't he have, like, multiple things on band camp? He, he seems a little bit... Um... I mean, I guess it is the hip thing to do now, but I don't know. He just seems like like a generation uh, like before that. You know what I mean? He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would be taking advantage of it. I felt like uh, I saw his name like as a big forefront in the list of like in the art in the independent artists that uh, put this shit on Bandcamp. It was like him and Cloud Kicker and uh, a few other people that like really got big off of like Bandcamp. Can, can confirm, Sufjan Stevens definitely has a band camp, and it's got a lot of stuff on it that I didn't even know he ever recorded. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, boom. Like, it, it's it's insane. Um, it, it, and as you said, you just put all as much music as you want, and it can be any cl- corner of the globe, and it's you, and it's free, or right. Or, or whatever the person wants to charge, or whatever, you, whatever. You and know. I, 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 I think versus like Spotify, where you're getting like point oh one cent or whatever, something crazy on the stream. Yeah, I think yeah. it's 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 a better option. So yeah, same. That's why I still I use those like spot Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp the most. I don't like Spotify. I don't really care for uh, things like title. I'm not going to spend that service. <laughs> that shit <laughs> yo Pono for life my man is young he's got it he got um, it all figured else? out like google music's cool but i don't use that either so i really just stick to like those two systems and i, I don't know that's about it like uh, i don't have an i don't have an iphone so i don't have itunes i like google I music a lot for podcasting beyond that well that and really? you can Oh yeah, I think I I love it as a podcasting uh, hosting system. For me, it just makes a lot of sense. That and if you have a Google account, you can upload like up to fifty thousand free songs onto yeah. onto the cloud and then just access them. So that's pretty much how I do a lot of my 
phone music streaming is I just have stuff on my computer, I upload on it, and then I just pull it from there so I don't pay for a streaming service like Spotify or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like, I don't really have the money for paying streaming services, even if it's like five or seven bucks or eight, whatever. It's just like, I just don't have that side right. of expense. Right. But, you know, it's whatever. I'm not really too worried about things like that. I just want to make sure whatever, if I make something that's accessible enough to everybody, same goes for my band, same goes for I hope anybody's projects. Right. Speaking of happiness, this is a podcast where we feel very happy and we talk about music that makes us happy, sometimes sad. It's called Music Talk. This was the intro. Good transition, Alex. You really nailed it this time. Uh, we're joined by Chris is here uh, on his mic, and we're also join, uh, got some return guests, Senem Palmer and uh, Peter Peter D is here. Peter D. And Senem, I think I got your name right this time. I hope. Yes. Nailed it. Yes, you're on it. Thank you. As I said before, it's nothing that's like a. Like a like a problem that was more like a me thing. So you're good. <laughs> so how you got, how, how's everyone doing today? Fine, great. Uh, yeah, chilling in Atlanta. Uh, it's another rainy but beautiful day. Well, it's a beautiful rainy day here in the Midwest as well. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different because typically or lately, when Chris and I have talked, we've been mostly talking about older music, and we got three new releases to discuss, which is. Very exciting I, I, modern music. That's got some adult contemporary. Um, <laughs> this is contemporary music made by adults. Very true. Very true. Things that make you want. Things that make you want to hit that yeet. <laughs> um, and so, where I'd like to start off is talking about maybe let's talk. I'd say the middle contemporaryist, uh, and that would be. Uh, the gorilla or gorillas, not the gorillas. Gorillas are a virtual band that have been existing now for uh, two. This twenty-year-old band has started off as, if I'm not mistaken, a Blur side project. Um, sort of as between Blur albums. Uh, I God, I, I my history on this isn't great. Uh, what Damon Alba, Damon Albarn and Jamie Hewlett um, were sort of the main people behind this. And um, they were so they created the gorillas to create this sort of fake band of monkeys making music. We all heard Clint Eastwood and went, "That song is great." And uh, we're twenty years later, and the rest of the history is not relevant. Um, and now we have their new album, "The Now Now," one year after their previous album, which was aptly titled "Humans." And uh, what'd you guys think of "The Now Now"? Wonderful. I thought it was an all right uh, return to form. I didn't hate it, but uh didn't make me crazy. It didn't feel like it was, um, I don't know, going as many places or taking as many chances as you know some of the earlier material. This is a very chill album. It's a very yeah. mellow, but I also felt this was a perfect thing to drop around the summertime. It had a lot of summertime yeah, vibes. Definitely. Kind of gave me a little bit of, a, especially the opener, humility. Gave me some sense of poolside, if you've ever listened to poolside, but... Uh, a little higher brow. It's got some of that really good production work that you get from other Gorillaz albums, which is one they're usually their standouts compared to other <laughs> pop contemporaries. Yeah. Is that they do fantastic production work, all these fun little tricks and stuff going under 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 the larger motif. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked I liked humility, but I also kind of thought it was a bit of a weak intro, if that makes any sense. I agree. Well, I felt the same as Chris because, like, I I do enjoy their production at this point. Like, they always will have all the means to sound like sound like, like a great band. Um, the the compositions, as nice as they sounded, and as cool as some of the melodies and passages were, weren't as exciting to me as I would say um, the older material like it, it's um, the dynamics especially is changed it's a really electrocentric vibe album which is cool I, I really dig this interpretation I mean I'm not trying to ask for the old stuff again but at the same time um, it's, it didn't latch me as well as I expected but yeah, I enjoyed it like the time that I gave to it especially when you have people like George Benson and Snoop Dogg and all those other motherfuckers. It's still a collaborative project. And that's kind of one thing I, I like it the most that they constantly will adhere to because it isn't, you know, it may be just Jamie and, Dam- and Damon, but it, it's always been a, a collective of, and of just people. And the sign of times kind of thing, I felt. Would you say it's it's fair to say that this was also pretty light on the features? Because if I I'm not a big gorilla yeah. person, so to say, so Definitely. I've only listened maybe a couple of their albums all the way through. Um, but my understanding is that these these albums are usually chock full of guest vocalists, guest singers, guest MCs, things like that. And so this well, the last felt- one was like definitely that case to a fault. So that was that was a nice change here. Right. This was a lot yeah. more just. Uh, just the core the core group as opposed to like a mountain of all uh, guest people i mean snoop dogg being on a gorillas album is kind of almost commonplace at this point but beyond yeah, that snoop, snoop dogg's guest appearance has never surprised me i feel like he doesn't turn down a job and i love him, yeah. him for that i um i also kind of noticed snoop dogg has a trope that like it, like he always tries to incorporate the title or the theme of the song itself into a blatant lyric and I'm just like god damn it like I already know what I'm listening to Snoop Dogg you don't have to <laughs> reiterate the fucking song it's already like you're already in the motherfucker like it's Snoop Dogg you're already grandfathered in the bitch like it, 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 it just feels redundant to me to a degree but it's like you know what alright this is what you get you get what you pay for <laughs> <laughs> that is a man admitting defeat like it, it, it's I don't know it's like when I heard um, it's it's a, a good example for me that always sticks in my head is when I heard that collaborative song of um, was it the uh, it was for it was like a racing game but he did a remix of the Doors writers of writers of oh, the Storm I know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly. and it's like and that line talking about his car going fast and like hanging out with Jim Morrison and <laughs> it was Need for Speed Underground too. Out. Need for Speed. That's what it was. And he's like, I got the need for speed. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, it's like ah, like I get it. Like, come on, motherfucker. Like, a little. But, it's relevant to everything. It's just that like, it's Snoop Dogg's cadences really just like get to me when he talks about it. It's like, ah. Oh. I had a much warmer feeling on this album compared, I think, to the the rest of you. It sounds like you guys were kind of ho-hum on it. I really dug it a lot, um, partly because 
it felt to me like a good shift in terms of summertime albums, a good shift away from new disco, which I feel like for the past two, three years has been like the big thing for a summertime album is a new disco album. Um, this was sort of like in my mind, an evolution of that kind of sound and maybe a, a little headier of it. And I hope it steers popular summer music in that direction because I'm kind of done on the new disco thing. The poolside thing. This is a little, has felt a little deeper, a little, uh, more thought out. Um, there's a lot it's it's still very chill it's a great you know you put it on when you're when you're chilling by the pool or at the beach or whatever or slowly driving oh, yeah. at night um which i i adored i love that of it um but there was enough fun stuff going on so like um the song the song hollywood we've been talking about it and um chris i hate that i have to mention this because it gets mentioned too often but there was to me a lot of like omar electronica in this album especially on hollywood like i swear to god i was hearing c is rising uh electronic bits yeah i can i can get that there's something i can pick up on um and like the (laughs) playing playing that against like the the sparseness of the rest of the production i get that right so Um, i was laughing a bit so like you had moments like that or he had the song fireflies which has this big spaciness to it where it's the song is just reined in enough that it's not going like completely off the rails but um it's it has an expansiveness to it so there's a lot of there's a lot of breathing room in this album but then it's but that breathing room is carried by usually these fatter plottier basses such as on the song kansas which has a fat fat bass and i love it uh, because it can it can have this chiller vibe but there's this good thumping vibe that kind of brings you through the whole thing uh, especially in the earlier half of the album. The second half is where things start to mellow out, especially on songs like Fireflies, Magic City, and Idaho, um, which uh, felt like a weird shift where it felt almost like two small EPs glued together. Um, yeah, I definitely like that second half better too. I, like, ca- I, yeah. feel, I feel that the Same. album really gets going after Sorcerers. I loved the the percussion work on Lake Zurich as well. just felt like a nice yeah. little gluing yeah. of different things together to create this fun little tapestry so i mean i just dug the whole experience i thought it was it's it definitely felt like it, it, the one dig is it, it felt like a hey i did this album this is sort of like the leftover bits of it but at the same time well, it was re- it was recorded on the road and shit like that's the oh really yeah i guess it was recorded like during their last tour or something like that um so it definitely sort of, um, you know, has a couple points deducted for that fact because, you know, as we said, it it does have um, some issues in it. But overall, I do like it, you know. It's, uh, like, it is, um, a cool, it is a cool summer record. Yeah, like, uh, I, could, I mean, I could say, like, it can be on a playlist where, like, you can find shit like this and, like, the new Sophie album and nobody would get mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. Like it's, it, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a tolerable album. Like no one, the same goes for like plastic beach. I wasn't big on it, but it isn't one of those albums. I get pissed off if I'm listening to it. Cause I'm just like, Ugh, I don't like this version of the gorillas. It's like, it's the gorillas. What are you going to, you gonna get pissed. Like there's no reason to get mad at listening to the gorillas. It so it's a- always good to see them keep on whatever that whatever that means for them especially like, right. right it was also a really short album it's only 41 minutes so it's also just sort of like it kind of comes and goes and you're like oh, all right i'm i'm good yeah, at this. It, it's it's not a it's not a grueling album it's really not a like it's it's not a boring album and it's not a um 
it's not a like let's say what am I trying to say? Um, it's not a daunting album to listen to. No, you can put it on oh. and not feel. It's under- really easy to listen to. Yeah, in every way, and that's why I loved it. I mean, I could understand why you guys take points off in certain ways. Like I can't argue those points. But I think a lot of us, like, I don't know about you, but I'm a huge Gorillaz fan. I've loved Gorillaz since I was in, like, eighth grade. Hell yeah. Uh, so, you know, I have felt let down by some albums in the past. Like, I really wasn't a fan of Plastic Beach. There were some parts of it that I could recognize at the time were really well done, just not for me. And gradually it grew on me, but not so much. Another one recorded on the road. They did um, The Fall, recorded on the road. Yeah. And it was also all recorded on an iPad, if I remember correctly. Yep. That was a really new thing. And that was another album, which at the time, I was really not a fan of. I, like, I felt let down because I was like, I had so much hype because I loved the first uh, the first one and the remix of it and the second one and the remix of that. Like, to me, they just came out with four great discs and then started fucking up. And this mm-hmm. has been the first one that, when it comes out, I like it. Everything else that they've come out since D sides, for me, I've had to like get used to or like adapt to, or it's it's been too much in some way. Except the fall, I really didn't like the fall when it came out, and that one's grown on me tremendously. And I can see some similarities between that and this. And um, my like, I think the highlights of it were Sorcerers, Fireflies, uh, like Zurich, but. The beginning and the end, like you guys mentioned, seems like two different EPs. I kind of like that because the the first half played to me like more plastic beachy. Like, all right, here's our features, and here's our more po- like the songs that are going to be like easily more popular. And then it sort of got weird and chill in the middle, and then really subdued by the end. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, especially yeah. by by Magic City and into Fireflies. Like that was really good for me and i do like one percent like you know songs like that i felt really at least gave closure to the album but you know it's still a different take on the gorillas through the evolution of it all because um especially if you're the kind of person that's like i like the older material better which isn't bad but it's still like Still apples to oranges that I feel that I can't really that I don't really have to express or anything like that compared to like totally. obviously it's, the it's, first the first album compared to now like right. you don't have to go to that territory at all. It, it's pretty amazing yeah. how far away these guys have gotten from Demon Days, which was sort of their the big album for them. I know, I mean, Gorillaz was pretty yeah. popular, but Demon I think that was the one that won a Grammy or uh, yeah, that was definitely the breakthrough, right? Like, and so like. Comparing that to this is a pretty large margin of music, which I think is also a good testament to the band itself that they aren't afraid to keep testing new waters and they're not just repeating the same thing over and over again. We're not getting uh, what was uh, that the big song from Demon Days just over and over again. And feel good. We're not getting feel good forty times in a row. And it's um if if you kind of keep that in count with like, I I love how that this band grows up like in the world that they live in next to the world that is like that Damon's trying to create um, or him himself. Um, and it's, it's just, <laughs> it's sick to see like, you know, um, noodle, like from noodle to the Russell to everybody else. It just like 
grow up. And isn't isn't Murdoch like out the band? I guess I that's the lore. <laughs> yeah, like, I just love how the, the lore is. Like it's like even if like going from like is like I don't know about anybody else, but did anybody like used to go on the old website with the Kong Studio thingy and you just travel through the studio and you would see so much weird shit. Yeah. No, I didn't know they did that. Oh yeah. It's been part of why they've been a sensation because they were like the first band to really exist in the digital space in that way. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. That, that was, was the biggest cool. appeal. That like blew my mind when I was, because that was something that gave me incentive to like check out the website every single day because there were just more sections that you couldn't find that you had to like do A, B, C, X, Y, Z in order to access them. So it's just like there's so much value behind just knowing the personality of a band like this. So the investment is a little more, um, it's an oddly transcendental feel to a degree because it's like you're investing in the emotional to musical to whatever content this band has but there also is the real weight real them and then the digital them and what is what's like if they if damon dies does that like mean something in the lore will change where the gorillas just disband or somebody dies actually or like or what so it's just like i just like seeing this band get old it it, it just it's sick yeah, they've matured really well, like a fine wine. Yeah, like, and it's such, and it's an odd sense of it too. Like it, because they grow up just like all of us, but the way that it's happening is really uh, a different timeline, but it's still the same. I don't know; it's weird to say. It is. Yeah. It is, and they're not the first band to have like um, a layer of persona. Um, we like. A lot. Like, I'm gonna assume we're all around the same age. We all grew up with this to a degree, but like to the previous generation, like uh, Sergeant Pepper's is an example of a band that you know, where you know Damon was doing the Blur thing, this huge pop star, <clears throat> and then he did this like behind a mask of this of his digital story, and the big thing it relates to for me is Sergeant Pepper's. I remember playing Gorillaz for my parents and then being like, oh, it's like Sgt. Pepper's. And I wasn't like a huge fan of the Beatles then. And gradually I learned what that album did and where it was in the context of their career. And this is in a large way that. but I can, I can feel that. That's a good point. Internet as the you know medium, you know? That's what makes it our generation. Yeah. Like, I can definitely say that when I heard a song like, like Starshine when I was younger, I fucking was like, whoa, like who needs to smoke weed when you got this and then you start <laughs> smoking weed and listening to the gorillas and you're like, this is what the this is what the world means. Gorillas introduced me to dub music. I didn't know what dub was. Yeah. That shit was tight. Like um what's it called? What's that one song? Uh, it's not that anymore. What I'm trying to think, it was like the song next to Starshine. Um, fuck, it, but I know what you're talking. And I definitely agree with that for sure. Like, they had some really low sub bass type of things that were just really. Uh, Latin Simone or Slow Country? Neither of those, but Latin Simone is still one of my favorites. Fire! Oh my god! Rest in peace to that dude. But you know, even then, like fucking a, that song is amazing. I, I'd love to see that live if I ever got a chance to see the gorillas. 
I really wasn't a big fan of what they did with humans. Humans, I think, I, I'm pretty confident in saying I didn't like it when it came out, and I'm not going to like it as... Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine, because, like, when I was younger, I identified with gorillas so much, and eventually I just had to admit that they were going to make some music that just wasn't for me. And once I, like, came to peace with that, and I didn't have such, like, uh, demand, or, I, I don't know, like, uh, well, what's the word? Like, um... Acceptance. <laughs> entitlement to liking it you know what i mean um, I, it's funny because i that was i loved that album i really did humans yeah i just thought i had some really oh, good different stri- i had, i thought i had some really good singles and then just sort of the little instrumentals in between the tracks uh the little interludes i just thought it was such a well put together little record and uh but bear in mind this is very far from a band i'm well versed in so i'm like I, I don't know them very well. This It was one of the first, actually, funny, funny enough, one of the first of their albums I actually listened to from start to finish. Um, oh, my God. So, That's interesting. Well, you like it. Yeah, but, I, th- I thought it was good. I just, Strobe Light and uh, Charger and Saturn Bars were just, I thought, really fun singles that you could put on a playlist at any party and you'll, you'll get people into it. True, yeah. Gorillaz is definitely, like... I've, I've done a lot of reading about them. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of them, and uh, I even read the book that they put out. That's like a, a wacky biography told by the, the fictional characters that also include <laughs> real life people. It's sort of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but with gorillas. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. It's it's flipping crazy. Um, it's called co- ah, jeez, what is it called? Um, the Rise of the Ogre, I believe. I put the gorillas at this point at like. A da- sort of like remind me of Daft Punk, not musically, but in the sense of like the sort of alternate, the alternate personas, the really high quality production work that at this point they've cemented themselves in history. Um, and that they, I think these, those are both acts that like 15, 20, 30 years from now, you know, pe- young teenagers are going to be like, this is the classic music that I think is awesome. And I could easily see them just doing like soundtracks and other stuff for the rest of their lives. But they just, they also, both these acts are just masters of the studio in creating any sound and creating these lush textural uh, uh, songs and ideas that, um, and and even if like the album isn't like nailing it, they're always going to produce some truly killer singles that um, are going to be remembered forever. I think you're totally right. That, that uh, like with Daft Punk, in that they are uh, a measuring stick for all other music released around now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people consider that to be true already. And um, with Gorillaz, they're like they. That's that's so true with them because I've always seen them, especially from the reading I've done, including the way that they represent themselves, is their sort of. Um, a digestion of the pop that's going on like the uh gorillas like processes everything that everyone else is doing and creates their spin of it yes and in doing so they're able to draw the next phase of music that comes out after their release in a certain direction or another and it doesn't always work great like i've been like i can feel sometimes elements where they're trying to make something that isn't already popular more popular and that's great that they open people up to so many different sounds um and sometimes it doesn't work out and fine and sometimes it does work out for a different listener 
and that's also really cool. There's something about gorillas that's mega universal uh, because they cover so much ground. They're just a like so well done as a pop organism. And I'm to be clear, I hate pop music. Like gorillas, yeah. really it. Like I'd almost rather listen to anything besides the hit of today. And uh, gorillas is like the band that keeps me um, connected to that in any respect. You know. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that's that's my shtick. I I just love gorillas. I thought this was a great return to music that I like as soon as they release it. I didn't have to try to like this at all, which is great. Right. Uh, I would recommend it as well. I think it's a fantastic listen. And again, at 41 minutes, it's uh, it's not a daunting listen, but it's a perfect summer record if you haven't put it on yet. Uh, put it put it in the car, crank it up, and roll the windows down and go for a, a nighttime cruise. Go for a daytime cruise too. Yeah. You know, I'd say don't. You know, don't downplay yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Cruising USA. Uh, on that deep reference, uh, <laughs> so so, gentlemen, do we do we get headier or do we go into the the anals of pure ridiculousness? Uh, how heady does it get? Uh, well, there is there is one album cover where the, the head is literally opening up, revealing all its head headness, and the other one has mouth cancer. Uh, let's let's uh, I want to get into the heady. Heady head ass part. Yeah, let's let's end this. Let's end this at the bottom of the pit. Chris, why don't you intro this album for us? So this, uh, our next album, Real Things in Sharp Places by the John Ferrara Seth Mutal duo. Um, John Ferrara plays bass and considered the source. Um, this album is great. It's sort of, uh, I would say it it sort of like transcribes. Um, a lot of the playing reminded me of like uh, romantic era piano music, so a lot of shit from like the late 1800s. Um, it's all instrumental, um, bass and drums or percussion, um, save for two solo tracks. We got a we got a bass solo. We got a you know I've said it before. It's my favorite thing. We got the drum solo, um, and uh, it's a really pleasant listen. Um, Sort of similar to the Gorillaz album vibe, I thought. I would agree. Uh, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. I have no real knowledge of Consider the Source aside from recording 90 minutes of a podcast with one of the members. Um, that it's not really like this, I no. will say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, well, really. Yeah, kind of, not really. I, I mean, if you see them live. Only right. if you see them live. I got a lot of 80s vibes, actually, from this album in some of the sounds. Um, I, I felt like there was a lot of, like, it almost felt like chorus pedal or sort of that kind of sound. Um, it reminded me a lot of like '80s or early '90s, early '90s, uh, like Robert Fripp League of Crafty Guitar kind of sounds, but, but with some more yeah, worldly yeah, music. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Uh, so, I mean, the guitar work is frenetic. It's very detailed. It's very ornate. Very com- complex. Um, sometimes it got a, a little overwhelming because I'm like, there's too many notes. I don't and I can't comprehend what is happening. Um, too many notes. There's so many notes. So many notes. Um, yeah, lots, but, lots notes. but what I will say is compared to uh, other musical acts that have very prodigious musical members who just like want to shove every note in at once, I didn't feel like this was just pure masturbatory. Um, and my favorite punching bag always with that is Dream Theater where it's like, hey, you've played all yep. the notes, but the songwriting is not interesting at all. This is very complex, especially some of those bass parts. 
Um, I think it was on the song Mouth Say Tongue or Frail Things where the bass just goes completely insane at times. And I'm like, this is way overwhelming, but I wasn't like, oh, fuck you. I don't want to listen to this nonsense. It, it, uh, it still felt like really engaging and really interesting. And I thought that was a good sort of central theme throughout this album is regardless um, of how wild it got at times, there was always this sort of solid foundation that was carrying the songs around. I think that's something Gabriel mentioned actually during the Kamasi Washington episode and the Coltrane episode was that no matter, you could do all sorts of insanity, but so long as there's a solid thing, uh, solid foundation carrying the song along, you, you'll keep the audience hooked. And that was for me too, is that there's points where everyone's just going super ham, but there's a solid foundation that keeps it structured. And then I'm not just like throwing my hands up going, ah, fuck it, whatever. This is just bogus frenzy. It, it always felt yeah. cont- just contained enough, which is, is a challenge with something that is this, uh, complex and this, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Just this dynamic, because this is this is pretty complicated music, dude. Um, yeah, like uh, following off of that, uh, fucking John is obviously uh, we can all probably say that and agree. Just like he's an amazing bass player, whether whether you're hearing on a recording or seeing him live, live is a bigger treat because, as you just said, his he's an insanely dynamic player. He, and he understands that principle a lot, and I, I really, I really respect that when it comes to his playing the most, and how he really has the most control over that. And even by himself, he can hold it down because he's just a very percussive player, and it's, yeah. the way he slaps and pops really expresses that. So you can feel very, you can feel a lot of dip, dip, rhythmic permutations. Yeah. You can feel yeah. a lot of different, just like. Um, like things all together, accent points, like just really, he's really a controlled player. Um, and it, this is an album I kind of been waiting for for like I felt for years. So I've known these guys for like since uh, like I want to say at least maybe close to seven years or something like that. And it's a treat to see them every fucking time. I actually got to hang out with them, or they came through Atlanta two days ago. And um, got to see them after having not seen them for a good minute, and they kill it every fucking time. I just love seeing that band just go ham. When the all three of them are a driving force, but when it comes to John specifically, like he has such uh, control, and it really shows in this album. Um, especially, and, and, and I'm really glad it's a drum and bass album because you don't need a lot. You don't need any more than that. Yeah, it has a cool uh, minimalism um, in the production that I liked a lot. Um, you know, it's not it's not a it's not a dry sound, but it's not like a super wet sound either. Yeah, um, yeah. It just <laughs> it's like a well cooked chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yes, yes. Uh, straight from yeah. Flavor Town, your heart. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I yeah, love that, so that in the room feel. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. I think that's a good analogy. Just it definitely feels like you're kind of sitting there with them. It's it's yeah. got a very uh, organic kind of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm a big sucker for that. My one complaint about this is that I would say that it's it's a little long. Um, I'd say it could have used like like a, like a 15, 10, 15 minute haircut, like two or three songs maybe. 
I I, can... I initially had that thought too, but then the more I listen to him, like every piece kind of feels like it belongs. Where it, they are they are pretty different, you know, for right. tracks that feature, you know, no really crazy, you know, pedal, you know, showcases or, or anything like that. It is pretty dynamic. Right. So, because when I first listened to it, I'm like, oh, maybe some of these songs could use a little bit of a trim. But when I went through it again this morning just to kind of make some notes, I was sitting there going like, you know what? Actually, everything feels like it – like each song feels like it fits. And then each part of the song feels like it fits. It all kind of feels like it, it, it all is well constructed enough where I'm not like – this is just noodling for the sake of noodling. Everything felt deliberate. Like if there was, if this was written out, I would not be surprised. Um, if this was a, a I'm thinking of the, I'm blanking on the word, but like, but so improv. Yeah. Composed. Thank you. No, I like, it didn't feel, it didn't feel improv. It didn't feel like two guys sitting in a room, just no. futzing yeah. around and ch- cutting out the best bits. This isn't uh what is that? Zach Hill album shred Earthship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. Is there is there no guitar on this album? Is it purely bass? No, it's just it's just bass and drums. Because I yeah. is it that, like the opening song when will then be now? I swore that was a guitar. It's I mean it's it's a higher on the register so, and yeah or, he plays or, he plays a five too. string. Yes. Uh, well, now he I'm plays even five more, string and taps a lot. I am really impressed then too because it number one it oftentimes felt like there was like twelve people playing at once. Oh and. Have There's you seen them? Where he plays a, um, a, a bass pedals, so like you know, like a Moog Taurus. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen? No. Anybody? Else? Okay. Yeah. Like he, we. If you ever see them live, like he always gets to do a solo, uh, whether like whatever point of the set. Some, I think they've been just doing it to close out the sets, but it really shows, right. and oh. like. Like that's like, when you see him play by himself. That's when you're just like, okay, like, where's that solo album, Brody? Like, <laughs> like it, it, and I've been, and it's good to see that this actually being a thing too. You know, after all the fucking years, because it's just like him and Gabe both could do damage by themselves, but like him, Gabe, and Jeff, like all three of them combined, just make for a, a great formula. But um, when it comes out of Jeff, uh, not Jeff, but John, yes, yeah, like the bass album itself, like I, I didn't expect, I didn't think of it, I didn't expect it to be like some crazy ass, like Evan Marion solo. Well, I mean, it, it had that vibe just being a solo bass thingy, mm-hmm. but I wanted <laughs> to see what he could do on his compositions. And nothing felt too underwhelming or overwhelming because I kind of had an understanding of his sense of melody or right. his playing. Um, and even like with the production, you know, none of it was like super harsh or anything like that. I mean, there was a few like grittier bass parts, but I don't think I think that was really more evoked by his like moment of his playing compared to like putting on a pedal. But even then, it sounded great. Um, yeah, you definitely yeah. want that grit in there so it doesn't get uh, you know homogenized or anything like that. You have a little variation in there. And it feels planted, yeah. and like I said, it feels planted enough where it's not just it's not purely masturbatory. And mm-hmm. you you made a good point as well is that it seems like John knows when to take a back seat. You have a couple songs like Grandma Genie and Somatic, which are primarily percussive pieces. Um, yeah. Grandma Genie mm-hmm. initially got me really nervous because whenever I, I hear tablas, I'm like, oh god, where, what, is this just going to turn into some kids in tie dye shirt? Uh, Kumbaya, Hari Krishna bullshit, and it doesn't. It, it, that's that's a perfect, perfect sound. Perfect, perfect. 
uh, impression of it. Um, Is somebody practicing tabla too? <laughs> I got everything Whoa. over here. Right. Wow. So, like... I, I get really nervous when I hear sitar and tablas when it's when it's not composed by tradi- like a, a traditional East, uh, Indian musician, just because usually Western musicians just turn it into just the the worst uh, stereotypical schlock ever. And this just didn't... just to get just to slide that one Omar reference in there, Vondel Park. Yeah, like every time I hear a sitar, I think of that song first. Right, and so I'm like, okay. I'll give it a chance, even though it can go in that, like, you know, swinging 60s or Hare Krishna direction. Right. And so this never did it. I was really, like I said, I get really nervous. But I'm like, no, this is good. And then Somatic had more of a, it sounded like maybe a maybe a couple drums overdubbed. I don't know. Uh, it reminded me of some of those drum pieces that the new King Crimson lineup is doing. Um, yeah. But like it, it, all, it all worked. Um, and then the you obviously had the more intense songs like Jackie Chan but then the nice balance of songs like One Small Eye where things are or 30 Tyrants where things are pulled back yeah um what's it called where you guys are talking about like the rhythm uh, the drama aspects of this album which was uh I felt like a lot of the drum parts like fit in really well and uh, I forget what song exactly it was but what they were doing like trade-offs and then it kind of like the timing switch or like the little accents of it switched at one point and then it went back into the groove and i was like yo like that is a great moment that i'm glad that got recorded right there so right. that really right. was like if that was if that was composed that was brilliant if it wasn't and it was a it was a situation that really worked out for the moment that was just even more like great on its own then too which just shows the strength of their musicianship pete what yeah. did you think of the album <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, so um, I really like this a lot. It's drum and bass, but it seems to be like drum and bass to the power of drum and bass. You know, like it's it's so much more than just drum and bass. And uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Consider the Source, so I'm pretty familiar with John's playing. And um, I've spoken with him a bunch. I've interviewed him a bunch of times, and. Uh, Everything that it seems he brings to that band, I can hear in this, but it's just all his, um, I, I, I don't know, that was jumbly, it's just, it's, I can, I'm, it sounds like I already know it, you know, because I'm so, yeah. used to it. Uh, I'm so used to it already, not in a bad way, it's just amazing to hear it in another context, you know? Yeah. I've heard John's playing in Source, so um, hearing this is like, I don't know, like looking at a sibling. It's like, yeah, I know you. And <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's sick to see that. It's you know after all this time, but why we have it now? The thing that it struck me at, like in terms of what it reminds me of, you guys are talking about like Dream Theater and how. They just seem like they're trying to fit as many notes in as they can. This doesn't seem like that. I totally agree. What this kind of reminds me of is Andy McKee. Are you guys familiar with Andy McKee? Oh, yeah, dude. He rips live, dude. Who is he with? I'm not familiar with him. (laughs) He's Um, a – like, go ahead, actually, if you want to tell who he is. You probably know better. I'm I'm not positive. I think he's on Candy Rat Records, but I'm not (laughs) sure. Is that 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think he's still on it. If he's not, then he it's, still has affiliation with it. Is he also a solo guy though, or is he like with a yeah. group? I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a solo. Okay, yeah, he's a solo guy, and he plays um, similarly to John in that it's like um, I don't know, virtue. He he's a virtuoso of the instrument. Is just he's it, on the same level as like John Butler or Michael Hedges, only Jordan or something like that. Like just one of the people that's pushing the instrument forward and playing it in a new way to an extreme degree. Or like Tosin Abasi, I guess, is another example. People who are just like pushing forward the playing of this instrument in a great way. And uh, I th- I'm way less familiar with Seth's playing, but having he- heard it on this, it makes perfect sense, and he's awesome too. Like I listened through this like three or four times, and the... The first time I was like, okay, John, 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 John. <laughs> so we're halfway through like the second listening, I was like, wow, this dude Seth is nasty. And um, it really reminded me of Andy McKee in that I could hear, so it, not in every song, because Andy doesn't play necessarily such strange modes and versions and permutations of things whoever said permutate rhythmic permutations hit the nail on the head because i heard that and i love that in my own playing and any playing i love that um, yeah it's it's yeah definitely and so like uh i could hear what easily in a lot of cases john's playing being what andy does on the neck and seth's playing being what he does on the body um i could hear does that make sense do you know what i'm yeah, saying that's that's a great that's a great analogy i never I, that's yeah so that's what it reminded me of. It's really hard to wrap your head around what's happening. Um, like I play bass and drums, and not as good as them at all. But like at least, I'm, you know, when you play the instrument, you like to think that you're at least maybe a little bit more apt to understanding what's going on in a recording. And John's playing is not. That's not always true. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's really like beyond. Um, and. In this case, it's pretty kind of easy for me to hear that and say, oh, this is like Andy McKee and two people. Um, but as far as the, the like so many notes in one space, I think that that's really crucial. And I agree that there's other bands or musicians or whomever that just try and fill up the space. These guys, what's cool about those rhythmic permutations is they change the empty space between the notes in cypher which pulls you in different directions with the rhythm and that's super scientific and uh, in a lot of cases soothing for me i like i find it relaxing because um a lot of music is one slower and two less complex and so if you can put your finger on the beat and follow the melody you're doing a great job and (laughs) if you can keep up with it for the whole length of the album You've done like a meditation that, uh, like, is pretty heavy, you know. To keep mm-hmm. up, to listen to this and not l- like let your attention go elsewhere, like that was how I did it the fourth time I listened, and that was tremendous, man. It felt like going in a like a sensory deprivation tank, you know. It was mm-hmm. like all of these things come out of your psyche that this me- these melodies and rhythms guide you around, and they're really cool things that I felt. Um, and the density has a lot to do with it because there's so much happening in a short space, but they keep changing subtly what's happening that if you're able 
able to grasp onto the pattern, it's really just a great ride. Um, and it, I would guess that that takes a lot of practice, you know. So we we're familiar with John. <laughs> This seems, in a way, more focused because there's less members, you know. But in yeah. a lot of he had a he, he would loop something like he would loop a slap uh, segment, and then he would tap over it, or he would do some other crazy thing on top of it, or not even necessarily crazy. Just play a regular bass line on top of it, with just a, a really nice melody in a in a like uh, particular rhythm or something, you know. There's just always. For me, there was always something really easy to grasp onto that felt familiar in like a classical music kind of way, or yeah, like yeah. in a way that I could like sort of feel coming out of his playing and source. Um, not to keep comparing this to that, but there's just like I don't know. I haven't listened to him in other ways, so I, I don't have too many other contexts to put it in. Uh, but this I, is just really awesome, man. I do love. I mean, I like bassists like him who just are well-rounded musicians who you know can do things like subdivide on a, on a drop of a dime and yeah and, yeah. and fucking uh create melodies and understand their range and understand their placement and when they can come back and, and add more and they and especially when they can hold it down all together it's as you said like the andy mckee don ross uh michael hedges type of thing um, and I mean, there's thousands of those kind of dudes, but when it comes to making your thumbprint in a, in a scene of that, in a sea of that, really have to strive to making your 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 shit heard. Um, so it's like, as I said, as I said before, it's, I felt like it was an album I've been like waiting for like years because I felt like it was gonna happen. Like, and as you said, it was like, oh, I know who this dude is. Let's just hear it in this context. Let's hear the intimacy of what he's really, what's in that dude's head. And even then, it's only, I feel like it's a big fraction of the power of, you know, John altogether. Um, and this is his first, like, solo release, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, that that dude has so much of the damn ability. That I just <laughs> am, like, I'm kind of surprised that there's not, like, not kind of surprised. I understand there's a lot of time. He, like, consider the source tours a lot. He's a working musician who really is, you know, every sense of the word that. And I respect him and where he puts his time and energy into um, heavily. And I, he's he's a healthy example, I would say, of that. And to see the end result of it like in this format is insane because it's just like something I just said I've been waiting for. So I'm really happy to see where this could potentially go. But then again, I'm also really excited to see where Consider goes too. So it's like, even if I don't see him play this stuff solo live, I think that you will always get to see that element of him shine because he gets his chances to everybody in that band gets their chance to. But him in particular, he... He's he's just he's just been holding holding it down for a good minute, so it's like good to see this type of thing come out of that dude. Yeah, I like this a lot. I feel you hit the nail on the head with the word intimate. That's a that's a good way to describe the sound. Right. Yeah. And you went you and you said when regards to the production, it was like wetness is good here, the dryness is good there. It's and he he's a great player and he has great tone. He his action is so low on his fucking bass and yet he slaps like a fucking like a like like goddamn uh, pimp. 
<laughs> yeah, he does keep that pimp hand strong, dude. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I would not want to get hit by that dude. Anyway, he seems so small too. Like he's he's small little guy, but he's fucking fit. Like, like I haven't seen him in years. Like I haven't seen him the, like this band in fucking years. And here I, I saw them like Thursday because I was helping them with the merch with because they didn't have a merch dude. So I haven't seen their fucking faces in a good minute. They all look relatively the same, which is you know pretty damn healthy. But John just is always like. Like just like, motherfucker! Like don't like he, he can look. I feel like he can look. He fuck you up, but it's just like he's so nice. Like how like you have to piss him off in order to really get that side of him. Never seen him mad. Yeah, I've never seen the man throw a punch, but uh, yeah, I can understand. I, I can see out. him frustrated, but not like, but not like rage inducingly mad. Like I'll crack some skulls type shit. If you see him on Brighton Beach in New York, you better not fucking uh, try and take his towel or some shit. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not the one to step, so you know you, you're good with me. <laughs> I did like it. Liked it a lot. I um, think it's definitely something you should listen to, uh, regardless of your musical taste. I think you'll there'll be something you'll find in there. I think it's it's a it's a fun sort of jazz esque album to sink your teeth into. That uh, is challenging and dynamic but also safe enough that it won't it won't kill you which is always it's always a good thing yeah it is sort of jazzy in that respect yes a good point but so moving from jazz into i don't even know what genre we're in anymore there's there's a jazzy song on this album (laughs) there's kind of a jazzy song uh oh my god so we're, we're back onto the death grips they're back um 2018 they're this is their next album. It's got a bunch of gross ass mouths on it, and it's called Year of the Snitch. And it it's Death Grips doing Death Grips, uh, which means not doing what they've done before, becoming increasingly unhinged and unraveled. Um, the last time Chris and I discussed them, we talked about the idea of they leaned into the meme that is Death Grips, and it feels like they've almost darn near fallen over into the pit. I used uh, to I used to hate that remark on them, but like with this album. I feel like we're there. This is hey, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is like meme, this is meme rap. This we is peak death grips. This is yeah meme, meme grips on every level. Um, it's the it, next evolution of Metal Gear. It really, it's a shit show. It's uh it, it's the it, show it's, great. I love the shit show track. It's it's <laughs> it's an erratic cacophony of sounds and ideas. Um, and despite sounding like twelve blenders going off at the same time, it's their almost poppiest, most happy sounding sort of like major key kind of uh, sound. It has a weird manic energy. Yeah. Oh, it has a massively manic energy. Uh, also, chock full of guests and just wild. It, this is a wild record. And oh, it's a wild ride. It is just completely ballistic um what started off as sort of a alternative hip-hop group back in 2011 has now just blossomed into punk rock drenched in psychedelics and then thrown into a wood chipper and we are now on the other side of that so what did you guys think of year of the snitch um uh first off i would like to say fuck because <laughs> what the fuck like that album but isn't that every Death Grips <laughs> album is you come out the other end and you're like what the 
fuck no. did I just get this, exposed no, to? No, no. There's a particular, this, this there's album a particular is fuck. This album there's is a particular special. fuck to it, for sure. So, yeah. The first time I listened to this, I felt nauseous afterwards. Or during. I was just like, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> I've, never, I've never had as visceral reaction as that from a musical experience before. It's like, it's, it's it feels... Mouth. It's the wet it's, mouth. It's, it's, it's definitely like the hammer, like hammering nails in your ear album. And that's kind of sounds, that sounds funny to say compared to most Death Grips albums because it's like, you're generally going to be in an abrasive atmosphere when it comes to them. But there's something that is so kinetic with this album that is... They, it, they create... It's, it's, oh, sorry. It's, oh, well, yeah. Um, I, I guess it's just like, it's like their most like head trippy. Like there's always like the hype to it. Like I mean, Bottomless Pit had a lot of like crazy uh, marketing behind it, but there's just this some this is odd vibe of like of uh, visceralness to it that kind of reminds me of like I don't like I guess maybe. Maybe some elements of the last album, and um, you talking about bottomless pit, or you talking like steroids? I'm talking like bottomless because steroids, I felt, was kind of like a weird transitional point, but it was still like some good B sides of a weird time. This I, I felt I feel was like there's a connection between between this and steroids. Maybe yeah. maybe not. Oh, well, actually, yeah, it, yeah. Now I think about it, yeah, I can definitely feel that because the melt when the tracks got mellowed out and had really weird, like the synth ones, I had really weird synth vibes, like um, yeah. what's it called um, when he's in custody. I fucking love that, and that album is all weird, like uh, synth and drum stuff. Yeah, yeah, like there's a section. lot of. Like and lots of great melodies, man. Holy shit, there was some cool melodies. Like Streaky had cool melodies. Dilemma had the like a really cool melody for that synth line. That's the one I really liked a lot when it came to synths. Horn um, yeah. section, as you said, uh, had some really cool, fucking awesome parts to it. Like it is a lot of just like it's the abrasiveness of Death Grips and the, and the force and the and like all that that you would expect is there it's just that i think we're all invested in how the like the sound and the evolution of that changes oh well this oh. is this is pete's first death grips experience i guess oh, oh really? really what dude you came at a pretty uh pretty curious never, time. it's never a bad time but it's still a pretty weird time good time so yeah, what, what is time. what what did you think of it, Pete? I, did you say that you liked Shit Show before? Did I hear you say that? I did like Shit Show. Yes, same. So, um, yeah, I know that I'm weird, and this is odd. But this would, <laughs> this would be my first real Death Grips listen. But um, let me say that I did listen to Jenny Death like long time ago when it was like I guess newer, and. Uh, I don't remember if I got all the way through it, but I do remember thinking this is fucking tremendously chaotic, and I can't, like, uh, I can't, I can't settle into this. Like, it just makes me feel unsettled, and so I think I it stopped is. listening after a while. And <laughs> this, I really liked a lot more. 
it wouldn't be the first thing I would listen to in the morning necessarily. <laughs> I don't but... know. Death Grips is online is like a great like good morning. It's seven a.m. and the sun is shining, and then you have that wonderful optimistic sound of Death Grips is online before MC <laughs> Ride brings you into a world of pain. All right, so the thing that I could relate to the easiest and the most throughout, and I don't again, I don't know if anything I'm about to say is uh, applicable to anything else they've made. So this is all kind of strange and maybe out of context for them. But there was like a jungle slash hard style beat that stayed pretty consistent. It changed a lot, but the foundation of like everything I heard was was like jungle hard style music. And I dig that. I would say that's 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 very, um, I think, evolutionary from... Uh, steroids were. St- I mean, if you listen to steroids, it just starts off with this horrendously aggressive, pulsating uh, beat. Um, that it's very, very intense, and so that's where I got that this was sort of the evolution of steroids. Or if steroids and Bottomless Pit had a car accident, that it has that it has that more dance hall vibe versus their earlier stuff, which had a much more hip hop vibe. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot more digestible things. But anyway, Peter, you're saying sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I definitely heard some dance hall elements. There was points at which I could hear, like, dude, this might be weird, but uh, there was a lot of points at which I could hear one of Nicki Minaj's personalities rapping on top of this. (laughs) (laughs) That's not necessarily a good or bad thing. Stylistically, as a new listener, that's one of the first things I could, like, zero in on. I'd be like, oh, this is way better than what she does. But it's like in the same rhythm. In some cases, like uh, I'm trying to find a note where I wrote down <coughs> which part of the song was like that. But anyway, other than that, um, it felt like uh, uh, like a hard style jungle, hardcore, industrial pop trap car accident <laughs> thing. That is apropos. That is apropos. At a certain point, like, there seemed to be some pop appeal. Like, uh, yes. actually, regularly, it, it, it's like a mountain of weird with, like, a little bit of a poppy synth line every, like, three and a half minutes that keeps you alive. Like, if you didn't have that lifeline of, like, a poppy synth line to come through every, like, three and a half minutes or so, you might just get lost in, uh, like, a surreal horror film from the future. It's, like, vaguely Jamaican. Like, <laughs> this is really fucking dope, honestly. And, and that's that. That's a good point. Um, and just for some context, uh, Peter, what the the first single for this album, even though half this album was singles, um, was Streaky. And when it dropped, people were genuinely confused because Streaky, in a lot of ways, has a very pop centric kind of sound. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a little Streaky too... could be on like yeah, Atlanta that's the only one or could something. Be on radio. Yeah, yeah, it's the only one that has radio appeal to me. Right. And when I heard, I was like, "Oh shit, word." Um, dilemma. I like dilemma a lot. We touched on that earlier. I was listening to it, and I could hear, like, you guys know that uh, band, The Specials. Yeah. Yeah, I could hear like dilemma being, uh, uh like you know, Death Grips version of a, a Specials track that didn't make it somehow. Pretty yeah. interesting. Uh. And again, I don't know how relevant that is to anything else they've made. But on that track, I was like, oh, this is cool. It sounds like some of that spacey ass, like, rock steady dance hall 
that uh, like the only other like the easiest uh, reference I could think of was the specials and how they do some really strange shit, but it it has that like familiar thump to it that you expect from them. Uh, Little Richard I really liked because I love Blade. And do you guys remember the the bla- uh, Blood Rave <laughs> track? God, dude. yes. Whoa. All right, so Little Richard. I was just thinking about that, like that movie right now, too. Go back and listen to that, but watch that segment of Blade on mute, and and like that's. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> uh, the outro I thought was dope, and disappointed I felt was out of place. I don't know if the copy I got had disappoint like disappointed. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it's all the way at the end, right? Yep. I felt like it should have been somewhere in the middle. And like cause maybe because outro is called outro, but also because it feels like an outro, like make that shit at the end. But maybe that's a thing they do. I don't know. I, I kind of like having disappointed at the end. I like that weird like end of tape thing at like the very last second, you know what I mean? How there's like just a little bit of reverb on like one of the instruments and it just cuts out. It's a nice um rug pulling moment in an album full of rug pulling moments disappointed also <laughs> it kind of felt a little bit more death death grippian so to speak um despite the weird zach hill singing in the background bit but when uh mc ride is screaming why me over and over again i'm like oh here we are we're i now remember this is a death grips ra- record and not a cartoon that's set to nightmare mode um it's uh yeah it's but it's it's very death grips to be like outro just kidding it's not the last song same thing when they made a giant post on facebook that they had broken up because they had peaked and then they've now released like four albums since uh yes yes i as a non-listener i do remember that part of their career uh i guess i shouldn't say non-listener i'm a new listener because now i need to know uh what i should go listen next from them like now that I've kind of described what I jived with, like, what do you guys think I would, I should, what avenue of listening in, in their catalog should I go down? Honestly, it's it's weird to say because their first three albums are very hip hop oriented, um, and then things start getting very bizarre from there. Uh, once you hit government plates and um, the the powers to be the double albums, things start getting. They just they they're a very progressive band in the sense that they've they tend to not repeat themselves and they've they, this is sort of a full morphing the virus just keeps mutating as it progresses through the timeline so it's yeah it's a, it's a cool band to sort of listen to from the beginning i would say because like ex military yeah uh like ex military is i would say a, a, you know it's a conventional hip hop record but it's like you're hearing black flag and pink floyd samples and you're like oh well that's that's pretty interesting and mc right is screaming as opposed to rapping that's kind of cool then you go to like you know money store and it's like very futuristic and glistening sort of like uh like a gorilla's record and then uh you got no love deep web and uh that's just uh that's like this album you know this album you're the snitch is sort of like nightmare mode but it there's like like a little crazy clown element, a little fun to it, a little circus time. Uh, but No Love Deep Web is like that without the circus time. It's just straight up nightmare. Well, and that was, so a couple of you guys mentioned that this is very atonal and very abrasive, but 
sonically it's not um it's actually it, it, it's low it's very low in the bass it's very kind of a shrill album in that way um and you have songs like linda's in custody and we haven't even talked about the fear yet which is just a fucking clown car thrown off the cliff yeah. Um, so you <laughs> see rides like I'm gonna kill somebody, and I'm like, yeah, it I've, sounds like it. <laughs> and my general response is, you haven't yet. Um, it's it's more in the thematic sense that this is a very atonal album because it number one, it's horrendously erratic. You have this almost like U2 sounding song in Death Grips is online, which shifts quickly into Flies, which um, has loads of uh, really weird kind of. Uh, trippy kind of sounds then you get to black paint which is almost a punk rock song i mean in the first 12 minutes you've gone from a pop song to uh something that's like near on the opposite end of the spectrum it's very bizarre yeah there are a couple tracks on here that sort of remind me of um of like a captain beef Beefheart record not necessarily in like they they have the same sound but just like the same reactions so tracks like um uh, flies and Linda and um, ha ha ha. They all kind of have like this. They're they're doing very weird things with the mixing and the rhythm that sort of gives things like a, a really uneasy, wobbly, dizzy feeling. Very much so. Um, I was yeah. a little thrown off too. I don't wonder what you guys thought that uh, this album features uh, a lot of work by someone named DJ Swamp, who's doing lots of oh, record, he's, he's from uh, Riff and Rock favorite Ministry. Oh, is he? Yeah, and so that, that that makes sense because one thing I was thinking when I was listening to this is this feels like it got pretty heavily inspired by their tour with Ministry. That was who they toured with, right? We had this yes. conversation yeah, last that time. Was, that was oh, kind man, of funny dude, to me. That would have been killer. Oh. I, man, I wish I listened to them a long time ago and knew about that and, and went to do that. You, do you listen to Ministry, Pete? I love Ministry. <laughs> but That's so, one of the... That's one of the things I was hearing when I was like, you know, is there's like industrial aspects to this. Yes. Hardstyle, jungle, hardcore, industrial, pop, trap. Industrial's in there. It's on the list of stuff that and, I... Oh, yeah. Know. And so this album, slightly, when I started thinking about that, that this was... They toured uh, Bottomless Pit when they, they did a co-headliner with Ministry, and uh, then this would be the follow-up. I'm like, this kind of i'm not a i'm not like an expert in ministry by any stretch of the imagination i know a little bit and i'm like this sort of has a logical idea of that they toured with ministry got some of those ideas but so then you have a lot of uh especially i I can imagine sentiment chris you caught like all the sampling that's going in like all the mixing in of old lyrics and uh, audio samples being glued in here so i i was mixed on that what did you guys think about that i wasn't all that into it like my favorite tracks on this album are um probably black paint dilemma and uh the the fear and disappointed they're like the the more live instrumental ones right death grips has done a pretty consistent mix um since powers that be of uh you know they'll have like the more quote-unquote rock tracks on the album where they have guitars like nick reinhardt usually shows up and then they have the electronic yeah i thought yeah god plates was like that too Oh yeah, that's, it's got it's got uh, Twilight guy on it. Yeah, hey, yeah, there you go. Um, um, you also have Andrew Adamson doing the intro to Dilemma, who is which is great. That that was a great moment on this record, I think. And then somewhere on the record, but I never figured out where was uh, uh, Justice Yeldum. Also, I forget his other the other alias he goes by. Who plays? He plays Gra- Grandpa Abela. Yeah, he, I think he goes by. He plays Glass. Um, he's somewhere on this record, but I can't figure out where he's on on this record. I'm curious to hear the see the credits 
when they're finally released with the, when the physical album comes he's out. On, I know for sure he's on the beginning of Little Richard, and then there are like two or three other tracks, I think. So but, it, uh, it's it's loaded with different things. Yeah, and it's 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 very hard to like pick out um, Justice Yeldim or, or whatever his fucking name is, Glassman. Um, it's hard to pick the glass out of this uh, album just because it already sounds like what their production is. Right. It's just like st- shifting static and shit. <laughs> um, and I guess I guess I saw I, I saw this um, interview with him uh, from a, an Australian paper, and I guess he's going on this tour with them. Oh, is he uh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, he's gonna eat glass on stage. Yeah. MC Ride better watch where he steps. <laughs> Wait. So yeah. This so- is gonna be. So ham. Have you have you seen yeah. him perform before, Senem? Or just like have you seen videos yeah, of I, it? I seen them I seen them twice and the the recent performance was uh two thousand sixteen. And Oh not Death Grips, <laughs> uh just have you seen videos of like oh, uh, yelled them? Never. Yeah, he, never. Hooks, he hooks up like little amplifiers to glass and just plays them and slowly smashes it over himself and usually by the end he's coated in blood. Dude. Oh, this is gonna be amazing. <laughs> it's gonna be. This is gonna be so fucked up. They're gonna have to sign a waiver. My favorite way to attend a concert by signing waivers. You know what's the most punk rock thing on the planet? Waivers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Policies to my show: don't wear white. Um, no Jesus joggers. No Jesus fish. If you fuck, if you fucking have that on your car, go home. Um, Bring gummy worms. If you don't, you definitely are going to be sent home. <laughs> this, um, this is such a ballistic did you, were album. You guys, were you guys into outro? Outro kind of. I was like, why is that here? I dug it. You know, I'm, I don't know. It seemed like a waste of time. I mean, it's it's 38 minutes. It's hard to call this a waste of time. It's 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 uh, a brief jaunt. Um, I don't know. It was it was something different. Uh, it. Again, I'm one. Every time a Death Grips album ends, I'm always curious what the next one's going to bring. Because I, I mean, where do they go from here? Do they go more in the uh, industrial kind of sound that Peter pointed out? Do they go in the fear sound? Are we going to get like a jazz album next with just MC Ride screaming over John Coltrane? It's and it's so hard to say. My uh, my dream is to hear Zach Hill do a proper jazz album. I would love that. But I'm definitely have- I'm definitely invested in whatever is coming next for these guys because this I would say is like definitely one of the bigger leaps that they've taken yes. sonically um, like I would say that the closest thing is is maybe you know between ex-military and the money story you know when they jump from like uh, you know just a weirdly sampled hip hop into uh, this like dystopia punk or you know dystopia punk pop right. electronic machine and um, this is this is definitely new territory for them. Right. Uh, so like my my experience with this album is definitely this is uh, this is a grower and, and not a shower. Right. So so Peter sounds like you're gonna be checking out Death Grips in your in your future. Yeah. Well, well uh, what was the album I, you think I should go to next? Um, if you really dug this one, on you know I, I'm. For your sake, and I would love to hear your, your impressions as you go along. I would honestly encourage you go backwards, um, since you're you're at the end. I think to start the Ooh. beginning would be confusing. I'd say just do the discography in reverse and just kind of see how you hear the 
so the de-evolution of it. I know that sounds a little hoity-toity to say. No, that, that's that's an interesting I, I can, way to yeah, I can agree with that actually. Because that's I, pretty, I, that's not I, for me, it was sort of a special experience because I listened to these guys when they dropped the first single, which was full moon so i've been with them since the very very beginning when it was hey it's zach hill you know him from hella and now he's 2011 right and now you're and now you're listening with him some with some randos and then all of a sudden now like zach hill used to play in like 50 bands at once is now only in this band and this is somehow the band that made him popular or made him well known um so i think it actually would be really curious to do it in reverse because then you're kind of re you're experiencing like how they got to this point and sort of experiencing that i think would be kind of a fun little um, experiment I'll, and partly I also say that too is because they like go like oh check out this check out this is because you're going to be hopping around in all these different styles and it could be probably a pretty confusing experience to go from like yeah. here where because I, I would say oh you got to check out the money store next which is like a glistening dystopia weirdo neo fu- dis, uh, futuristic hip hop record or the Akira Core. Or, or if you went back to Jenny Death, that's a, like almost like a punk rock record. Or you could go to Interview, which is a pure like electronic record with no vocals. So it's like it's too weird to jump around like that. So I think just doing a backwards linear dive might be the safest way of going about this strange adventure. Cool. Yeah. That, no, that sounds great to me. Thanks. I actually yeah, forgot cool. about Interview. That's sort of another stylistically similar <laughs> album to this sort of. I feel like the the popular tracks um, sort of line up with what they were doing there, right? Because um, uh, I mean, anybody will go up to you and be like, "Hey, you should listen to uh, Tachyon or Guillotine," and um, yeah, those are great songs. But I think what he just said to do that, look, go backwards, is probably the way better approach. Just because there's there's so many points and times and sounds and. It's really, I think, I think I'm really more because you said like you didn't. Nobody, I don't know if anybody liked outro, but at this point, I think I want every minute of Death Grips I can get because they just have a good discography of just sounds and elements and that I right. want and how they get to those points just because it's just so sonically inducing, and I think that's one of the biggest like selling points for them. If there wasn't really the catalog of sounds that they had to their disposal and and the rat race shit show behind them, then we wouldn't be as invested that how this is a how this hive mind of a project is. Right. Um, and that's like because it's like yeah, as you just said, like if you check out, if you really want to compare an album like like um, No Love Deep Web to like the first half of um, Jenny Death then that's kind of like a really big contrast and has not much competition. There can be things you can like cherry pick, but even then it's like, that's few and far between. And that's another thing. If you're a Bjork fan, which I fucking love Bjork, that first half of Jenny Depp was, or Powers That Be was um, amazing. That's one of my favorite, like so far. Um, But I still love all the other stuff, especially just because it's like, I got to them I guess that around uh, before Money Story came out, so they were still uh, advertising ex-military, and so I got a big wave. So I checked that out, got into that. Uh, Money Story came out, and that was cool too. I saw them around No Love time, and then saw them again for uh, Bottomless Pit, and there's just Zach Hill on the streets. Yeah, dude. Okay, you want to? Do you want me to tell you that story? Yes. Okay, so 
I met Death Grips like in, uh, in Asheville. This was like 2012. I'm some young turd, fucking. Uh, and me, and my friends are in. And Asheville is super small. Me and my friends are in the car. It's Mokefest. Everyone's around and their mom. And goddamn, we were in the car going down the street. Look out the window, and we were actually coincidentally like looking, like talking about death grips, <laughs> like fucking nerds, and listening to them too. And um, we looked down the street, and we're like, dude, look at those two people. Is that fucking MC Ryan and Zach Hill? And we're like, holy shit, that's them. I pop my head out. And I'm like, yo. And I told him to stop the car. Stop the car. Run out. Like, like with all my fucking force and stop them. And my voice, and I'm so out of breath that my voice goes a couple octaves up. (laughs) (laughs) And that has never happened to me. This is literally like my first, one of the most starstruck moments I've ever had in my life on such a stupidly casual note. And met up with them, told them like how much I love them, uh, got a hug and all this other shit. Um, they were playing at the Orange Pier later on that night for Mokefest. And like, I was like, hey, do you, if you find me, smoke weed with you if you want, if you got time or whatever the hell the case may be. Got a photo with Zach Hill and for my other friends and couldn't get one with MC Rye because he said he said no fan photos. And I was like, all right, I respect that because it's just like behind the, per- like the persona of so I, all right, I can't argue about that. But um, saw them later on that night. Great set. Uh, saw MC Ride afterwards, and I sold him some weed. <laughs> 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 and, and I still have the money. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those things. I just like. I don't know. It's like it's just like two five dollar bills, but like. It's like I don't know. It's like a it's like treasure to me. Like frame those, man. Yeah, I'm, it's like it, and nobody has to believe me. I know what the fuck I did. <laughs> That's know, incredible. Next time you see them, have him sign those bills. Yeah, Yo, man. Well, the, I mean, I did see them in 2016, but that was fucking. I was in California. I was far away from all my stuff. Now I live in Atlanta, so who knows? Maybe that may it might be a chance way easier than before. If, you know. MC Ride, can you sign my weed money? Hey, remember that time you gave me this money in 2012? Well, sign this bill. Uh, Do you think uh, MC Ride would knowingly deface government property? Yes. And, yes. and deface a bill? Come on. Come oh, on. dude, okay. And also, also, I think his dad lives in Atlanta. Man. I gotta hey, I gotta find his dad so I can get uh, the, the, the Burnett plug. I remember yeah, sketch. You got to meet that dad. I remember a while ago, like someone found his dad on Facebook or something. And he just he was just some like regular guy, like no. yeah, exactly. Like I just some dude. dude. I'm, I'm on the hunt, guys. Uh-uh. Well, as we're wrapping up, um, any any albums that you guys have listened to recently that we you know obviously didn't discuss today that you thought were was interesting that you want to give a shout out to or anything you're excited to listen to? Yes, oh, I just found yeah. this guy. Uh, fucking Nash the Slash. Um, Nash Slash. No, Nash the Slash. Um, and he he plays violin. I guess he was in this prog rock band called FM. Um, he did one album with them and then broke off with them and did these late 
70s instrumental solo albums where he'll play um, like cello and mandolin and violin and it's all through pedals so it doesn't sound like those instruments um, and it's some pretty cool soundscapes the album that I got is Blind Windows which is it's like a three EP package I guess he put out EPs early on because you know that kind of music isn't going to sell um, <laughs> but it's pretty good highly recommend checking that out um, I guess I have two uh one, well, if, it, if we're talking about like new albums, like especially for 2018, one I just have been finding myself to go a lot back to is uh, the latest Isan record from Emperor. But I love his solo material a whole lot more. That album is like insane on the like, songwriting. It's very, very intimate and dark and is just uh, really well crafted. Uh, so that's one, one out. Uh, another one is same with self promotion here, but uh, my band's album, uh, Chris Benoit. We're about to release the album next month. Uh, we just dropped the music video like sometime this week, and that shit is pretty wild. So um, just type up on YouTube, Chris Benoit Splat, and um, that's us. And it's got a lot of weird things in it, but hopefully you like the music and the video. Um, and I guess that's that's it on my end. And also, I've been listening to a lot of Job for a Cowboy, so that's that's another thing. <laughs> Pete, what have you been oh. listening to? Oh man, I've been listening to the new Nine Inch Nails. Um, that shit is crazy. Um, I love them, and this is definitely a side of them that I'm a big fan of. Um, also, I've been listening to. Uh, the new Ty Seagal and White Fence album came out yesterday, I think, called Joy. It's freaking cool, man. Uh, I saw Ty. Are you guys fans of Ty Seagal? And yeah, I heard a lot of good things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw him this year. Uh, it was actually on my birthday. Nice. On April 13th, it was at uh, Brooklyn Steel in good old New York City. And uh, he was with what's called the Freedom Band. And I guess that's some of the guys that he's been working with with all these different bands. Uh, some of the guys from Fuzz and stuff like that. That was cool. I liked it, but it was more... Uh, I don't know. I like this more. The Tyson Gallon White Fence. I like this one more. I kind of wish I got to see this album on my birthday. But it's only a thing I've thought for like less than a day. I might change my mind. But regardless of what I think, uh, it was fucking cool. And you should check it out. Um, I haven't really been listening to a whole lot of new music aside from you know what I do for the podcast. Uh, what I've been listening to a lot to the fall recently. Get, finally getting into them after Marquis Smith's death. Uh, two of the albums I listened to, Middle Class and Revolt and Bed Sinister, were both fantastic records. Um, I'm really excited to listen to more of them. I had only listened to maybe like one or two of their records, especially and it was like late career stuff for them. Um, and so this was seems to definitely be an underappreciated. Uh, peculiar little band uh so i'm really geeking out to check out more of their records um and then this one's sort of a an anti-recommend but uh after reading the the can, the can book i went deep into the kraut rock hole and to find other good kraut rock or just bands from germany from that era and one of the albums they stumbled across was from a band called the cosmic jokers and um oh boy 
So in the book, they talk about how a lot of the bands from that era at the time were not good. They were sort of capitalizing on sort of the hippie, stoner, psychedelic movement. And this is a, an example of it. It's just a lot of ambient uh, drone with lots of phasing and filtering on it. It just kind of doesn't go anywhere. And it's 43 <laughs> minutes of, like, you know those little instrumental segues in a, in, in a Hawkwind album or a live Hawkwind performance? Where they're like, enter your pods, please enter your pods for Sonic Attack, and like just random whoopies happen. That that it, that's that for forty three minutes, without the sci fi <laughs> mumbo jumbo attached. So it's it's it was a painful listen, and you can uh, you can dodge this one, folks. <laughs> Pete, Senum, Chris, thanks thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for us diving into some of this this meaty material. I think we we did a lot of damage here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me again. 